Hello, Loose Lug Nation, and welcome to episode 27 of the Loose Lug Racing Podcast, presented by Double L Sports Network. Drivers for the number 27 include Paul Menard, Rusty Wallace, Tim Richmond. At the NASCAR level, at the short track level, we have Tanner Fickle and a few others. Mark, I know you have some names. Yeah, man. How are you doing? Uh, we survived the Talladega week. Uh, yeah, 27. Hey, I remember in the NASCAR side watching Kill Yarbrough go over the turn one wall at Darlington. He ended up out in the parking lot. And I uh, <laughs> I don't know how he walked away from that. But, uh, yeah, we have Travis Rodewald out there at Kakana. Um, and uh, um, who else is out there? You, you got any more 27s? Not a very popular number. Yeah, we have Scott Baker. And then yeah, at, Baker, yeah. at the NASCAR level, again, we have Junior Johnson, Benny Parsons, Donnie Allison, uh, Hutch Strickland, Jimmy Spencer, Elton Sawyer, just to name the top 10 drivers in the 27 as far as time raced in that number. Now, Mark, when Cal Yarborough went over that wall, he was racing for the lead with Sam McQuaig, and that was uh, quite the incident. I remember, you know, the technology obviously wasn't as good, and they had to wait till an official or something went outside of the track to find out if Kale was okay. Yeah, they wrote it on a chalkboard. Kale's okay on a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. So we've come a long way. Uh. <laughs> Some, uh, luckily, Kale was okay, so he can kind of – Chuckle about it a little bit, how times have changed, but uh, what a memory there. Yeah, what a memory thinking about Tim Richmond at Old Milwaukee. When's the last time you had an Old Milwaukee, buddy? Whew. I never have. Well, <laughs> I guess what? Maybe I'll set you up with one, and then uh, and then you could go, who, too? Yeah, wow. That's some uh, that's some good stuff there, buddy. If It's, it's kind of hard, probably hard to find these days, but, yeah, that's a classic there. Maybe we'll have to have an old Milwaukee, a Paps Blue Ribbon, some Coors Light, some, you know, sponsorship, and a sponsor Dick Trickle, Tim Richmond, among others, over at Fest. All right. We can do that. We'll give it a shot. <laughs> Probably on different nights, though. If I mix my beers, I, I can end up with skull pain the next morning. So uh, we'll have to do it in moderation. We should start a tradition right here, right on this podcast. And this was not rehearsed before. None of it really is, but this specifically. We should start a tradition that on night one, we drink this in memory of this driver. And night two, we drink this in memory of that driver. We should do that. We should start that tradition. And maybe it catches on to other people as well. I like that idea. Yes, sir. I like that. Um, you probably find some stuff that you've never had before. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. You know, when I was announcing for the DePure Deacons hockey team, their big thing was Paps Blue Ribbon. So I had some Paps Blue Ribbons in the day. You know what? They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some stuff that's good out there. And then, uh, and then again, there's some that'll uh, give you a bad memory also. <laughs> so I like variety, yeah. though. Oh, no doubt. Well, let's get into the weekend. Uh, we said it multiple times that we're really pumped for Talladega. We'll go through what we what we have thoughts on and how the weekend went. Let's start with the truck series race. 
And uh, early on, Grant Infinger had left rear damage and a tire went down. He had to pit. With five to go on the stage, Sheldon Creed blocked too late and stacks up the field, and there was a big wreck. That was a big wreck. Holy smoke. Zane Smith was in the middle of that. And uh, the scary part was Dawson Cram in the 41. He shot across the track and then came down, and Joe Nemechek, he was already he was already wrecked bad, and then they T-boned each other and made it even worse. There was some really tore-up trucks on that wreck right there. Yeah, Zane Smith bumped Chase Purdy when they checked up a little bit. He started to spin. He got into Johnny's uh, right rear, and then it was on from there. Johnny saved his truck, but Smith, Purdy, Nemechek, Cram, Boyd, and Foster were all involved. Yeah, that was a grinder. <laughs> yeah, once when there's uh, uh, multiple vehicles, and we've seen a lot of that this weekend, that uh, <laughs> a lot of them are a lot of grinders, uh, tore up a lot of good stuff there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Austin Hill wins stage one. Uh, Gus Dean wallops the inside wall at a turn four in stage two after contact with Tanner Gray. And Derek Krause wins stage two under caution. You know, he led the most laps in that race. He led 19 laps, and uh, and he got a top ten. But, yeah, he won a stage and uh, uh, was looking pretty good there uh, after stage two. And we just talked about him. He had the great run at Darlington. He has been really impressive, as we previously mentioned. And at Talladega was no exception. You know, you think about his future, and it's looking more bright by the race. It sure seemed like him and Johnny Sauter were working together. You know, they were, they were around each other through that whole race. It's, uh, time you notice that you've seen one, you've uh, seen the other one there uh, most of the afternoon. And I thought about that as well. Maybe this is a case where Johnny Sauter, he's getting older, aging. Maybe he takes a guy like Derek Krause, who's going to be around for a while, has shown a lot of improvement over the years, under his wing and shows him a little something. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, You never know. Wisconsin boys might stick together on that. Uh, I'm sure uh, maybe they'll be together uh, here at Lacrosse this weekend coming up at Oktoberfest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Todd Gilliland blows an engine while running front there in the final stage. That stacked him up a little bit, and Tanqueray takes a hard hit to the inside wall in the backstretch. Yeah, it was like me putting a camera on somebody, and then you get some action. And I think Michael Waltrip just says, you know, something about making a mistake. And he goes, oh, and there it goes. And all you saw was a 15 just take a left turn and, and just pummel that wall. But then uh, once when he got a different angle, yeah, you could see Gilliland blew a motor and uh, not in a, not in the right spot right there. And Tanner Gray just turned left and, and uh, oh, man, what a hit. That truck was really damaged. Yeah, nothing like uh, DGR Crosley Racing having two issues there with a the blown motor with Gilliland and then the other truck wrecking while that happens. Yeah, <laughs> double your pleasure on that one, huh? Yeah. Uh, so Sheldon Creed had an issue after that while leading late in the race, and then the caution comes out. A green-white checker will ensue here with Friesen and Ankrum bringing them back. A caution on the last lap occurs when Friesen spins. He collects Ankrum, Eckes, Hill, and others. Raphael Lassard wins. It was going to be close between him and Trevor Bain. The caution comes out. 
after Rafael Lassard takes the lead and at the loop. You got to remember, it's not who's in front at the function, it's who's in front at the time of the last scoring loop. And Rafael Lassard was scored the winner. What a finish there. Yeah, when the wreck happened, Bain was in the lead. But yeah, you're right. When it got to the scoring loop, that's where Lassard. Um, um, took the race. Do you remember meeting him uh, from a distance? We kind of heard him talking uh, down at the Snowball Derby. We actually, uh, I think he was there with uh, um, Noah Gregson. I think them guys were hanging around. We were kind of off to the side, but we were uh, actually uh, listening to Raphael. Do you remember that? I absolutely remember that. Yep, they were driving for Cowboys Motorsports down there, and um, they've always been kind of close with that team and it was cool to hear the conversation that was going on yeah yeah he uh definitely has a a canadian accent for sure and uh good for him yeah that's a good deal that he uh he won that race yeah and you know it's a guy who's you know struggled a little bit in that truck it's his first year up there doesn't have a lot of experience in the heavier cars and gets the wind you know that helps him what's his future hold we'll have to see i know Kyle Bush and that team probably isn't happy where they're at with not winning last year and having their struggles the last two years, really. But that team gets the win, and maybe that gives them some momentum and some hope for the future here. Yep, yep. That'll gain you a little confidence there. So, hey, how about a shout out to Jennifer Joe Cobb? Huh? She led 16 laps of that race. Usually you never hear nothing about her. She just rides around in the back. But, uh, um, used a little bit of strategy and uh, actually, yeah, led 16 laps and she got a little uh, little uh, time on TV. So that was really cool. And I uh, remember running into her when we were at Iowa and uh, she's a nice gal too. Yeah, you know, the thing that always sticks out to me about Jennifer Jo Cobb is when she got up to speak, we were at the prayer service and she spoke at the prayer service uh, before the truck race there that night. And she was saying, you know, she got into it and she was struggling, but um, something was telling her to keep going and she's going to keep going in this venture. And she has, and that was back in 2012, Mark. So that this is eight years later and she's still going. She's obviously had her struggles with be lower funded, but you know, she's keep going and that's her passion to do it. So it's really cool to see her do that and get the t- TV time and all that stuff. Yep, and that was good to see her out front when she got a little TV time. So I enjoyed, I really enjoyed that during that truck race. Yes, absolutely. Well, going to the unfortunate side of racing here, there were two drivers eliminated from the playoffs at Talladega. That would be Christian Eckes and Todd Gilliland. We mentioned before that Todd Gilliland had that issue. Eckes also gets eliminated. So the point standing now stand with Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed advancing due to the wins, so they're the technical leaders at this point. Uh, Zane Smith would be third, Grant Engfinger fourth, Brett Moffitt fifth, Ben Rhodes sixth, Matt Crafton seventh, and Tyler Ankrum eighth. Um, it's pretty close, especially at the top here, so it'll be exciting to see the rest of the way. You know, did you see Hill's Hill's truck on fire at the end on that last wreck? And he just he just turned around, and looked away from it, and just kind of backed away. And that baby was on fire; it was burning. And he just kind of like backed away and just like, oh, <laughs> it was just crazy how how much that was uh, burning up. Yeah, the thing that really caught my attention was 
how charred it looked on the inside of the car, like the fire had really come through the inside of the car during that as well. You know, it was a view from the outside, but it looked like the inside was charred a little bit from the view I had. Maybe it wasn't, but it was, it told me that it was going pretty strong there for a while. That was a hot fire that was going on with that one. So probably knocked the fuel pump off of her or something like that. And whew, she was hot. Yeah, he got out of there safe and he just backed away and just kind of watched it just like, oh, well, <laughs> it's junk now. So just let her burn. <laughs> uh yeah, probably knock the fuel pump, maybe even the oil cooler. Sometimes the carburetors can get detached on that, depending if there's a car on top or not. So, um, yeah, you never know, but it was burning pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, but otherwise, good truck race all the way around. It was all right. Uh, you know, typical Talladega truck race. Yep. You know, I thought there would be more carnage in that, and and there was some carnage, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, well, later in the weekend, uh, they made up for it there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an accurate statement. Well, let's get into the Xfinity series here then. Uh, Chase Briscoe, boy, he dominates stage one. That's the only note in stage one that I have. He just plain dominated. Yeah, well, that Ford was kicking ass, and so was the 22 with him. Them two Fords. Uh, worked together and stayed up front uh, uh, all day, almost all day. How's that? Yeah. Um, and then nine to go in stage two, coming out of turn four. Austin Hill gets into Riley Herbst, and Riley Herbst pancakes the driver's side against the inside wall. It was a case where it was a non-playoff driver. Obviously, Austin Hill is a playoff driver in the truck series, but not the Xfinity. It was a against a playoff driver. Not a great move by Austin, but that's the hard thing about the playoffs. And we mentioned that's the unique thing about NASCAR and racing is there's other teams and other drivers out there with the playoff drivers. And you all have this one goal of winning the race, but the playoff drivers have a separate agenda. So it's a hard thing. And unfortunately a non playoff driver gets involved with a playoff driver and that uh, hurt Riley. Ripstick. Yeah, he looked like he just tried to uh, side draft him and got too close. And uh, that's a scary incident when Herbs hit that wall like that uh, driver's side, pancake side, you know. But you could actually see that soft wall take a, take a lot of that impact off of that. But back in the day when there wasn't, when, when, a, when a vehicle hit like that, when they just hit flush on the wall, that just shakes the, 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 all the innards of that car or that vehicle so um, yeah, that's the first thing I thought that that was just a nasty angle. How he hit that wall. It was, it was, and I was glad to see he was all right. You know, he said that him and Austin Hill are actually pretty good friends, but he was very frustrated in it. He's had a couple of incidents with some friends out there on the track. You remember Noah Gregson earlier in the, earlier in the year and now Austin Hill. So he's had some run-ins there, unfortunately, that have affected his season a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Carla could have pretty cool when the splitter was digging up that Alabama dirt and kind of made it all over the windshield and everything. So it gave it a little character. And uh, he drove it back to, uh, to back to the pit lane. But you definitely knew that the inside of that whole car got one shakedown with it hitting the, hitting the wall that hard. So, yeah, he was done. Yeah, yep. Well, they went back to green with four to go, and there was a little checkup. 
and Ryan C got into Harrison Burton, who got into Ross Chastain, and Ross Chastain spun and made decent contact with the outside wall, and then Kobe Howard comes and nails him in the right side door on the passenger side door. Kobe Howard would be done for the day after that contact. Ross Chastain did continue, but what a weird thing there on the restart. Yeah, it looked like he caught him right square in the door, and it didn't affect the wheels on it. And, uh, yeah, that was an accordion case there that uh, took off. And, and uh, yeah, he was sitting there dead in the water, um, and uh, Chastain was. And, and, yeah, he got punched right in the door. But, uh, wow, he got to carry on. Unbelievable after taking a shot like that. Yeah, yeah. And you saw what the damage that it did to Kobe Howard's front end. He was clearly done, punctured some things in, in the radiator and whatever else it did damage to. But, yeah, it was a hard shot. So it was surprising to see Chastain run as well as he did after that. Well, that's that composite body, you know. But, uh, yeah, as much as that, that uh, other car was all folded up, that was just, uh, you know, <laughs> downright crazy. Yeah. Well, Chase Briscoe also dominated stage two, but there was a little action in it, as we just mentioned. So he takes the stage win again. We get into the final stage here with 38 to go. People were coming to pit. Austin Hill and Austin Sindrick got hit from behind, and they nailed the inside wall. Jeffrey Hernard also brushed the inside wall, which affected him. I think he was done for that as well, after that as well. He did a good job keeping it off the wall, but everybody, everybody all tried to come all at once. And and usually you always see that, that somebody's going to not check up in time. And, uh, yep, it was kind of weird watching people uh, get moved off to the side. And, uh, you know, and um, <laughs> there was some hard hitting going on there. But you see that all the time. Um, once when they come in and they pit like that, there was no communication that they were going to come at separate times. It was kind of weird, like they all went through and they all decided they were all going to pit at the same time. But, yeah, Austin Sender, he got the worst end of that deal. Yeah, him and Austin Hill there, both Austins were taken out, and it was unfortunate. It seems like we always have that issue. You just touched on it, but it seems like we always have that issue when coming to pit, and they all put their – they were talking about on the on the telecast. They all put their hand out to the inside. They knew they were coming, but something still happened there with two two separate incidents happening at once. There, there's just you just can't see past the other cars, and you know once when you see like when they show the roof cam, you can see over the top like that. But as a driver, all you can see is the back end of that car. If someone checks up just a little bit more than the next guy, that could end up being like an accordion, and then it don't take much to send somebody offline. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it went on that one. There was no communication of who was coming in or whenever. They all decided all come out once, and you know that's what ended up uh, ended up in that incident there. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. You you literally cannot see past the guy's bumper in front of you, so it is tough. There was another question uh, with 22 to go for Debris, so there was a restart with 18 to go. Briscoe and Almendinger bring them back to green. Unfortunately, Justin Elgeyer has to pit with 17 to go. They had been thinking they were under power. Looks like the motor finally let go during that time. There was lots of jockeying going on with three to go. 
Gregson was in second trying to make a move. Briscoe was trying to block. Gregson was all over the back, and Briscoe almost spun. That was coming out of turn four. Gregson took the lead there, and Briscoe ended up going into the bottom line, and they were making it work for a little bit. Yeah, them two got it. Them two are racing really hard at that time, and uh, uh, it seemed like a lap later, uh, Gregson took care of that deal real fast. Yeah, so the bottom line ended up forming behind Briscoe after that happened, and then Briscoe had a good run. He slide jobs Gregson. That was very aggressive. I couldn't believe they didn't wreck there. Justin Haley took the lead in the meantime, and then Briscoe and Gregson make more contact. Briscoe drags the wall, all coming to the white flag here. Then there was a big wreck on the backstretch. Caution comes out. Justin Haley wins under caution. Yep, he was coming like a freight train. Justin Haley, that's that's three in a row there at Talladega. Only the Earnharts have done that. Senior and junior has won three in a row, and uh, Justin Haley can match his name with them too. That's impressive. That is very impressive. Yep, so it's actually three straight wins at super speedway races, so that's including Daytona as well. Um, Harrison Burton, A.J. Allmendinger, Jesse Little, Brett Moffin, and others were involved on the backstretch there. Yep, yeah, good way to end that race as a grinder that was there. And then uh, and then find out that Michael Annette finished second, and then he got a penalty. Yeah, so he failed post-race inspection. Um, it was left front ride heights is what got him. Yep, yep, it was too low. And he said, well, you get last place. And so, <laughs> yeah, you work hard all day and you finish second. And they take that away and you get a 30 sounds. Well, that's got to just be deflating. Wow. And he's a playoff driver, so that's going to affect him immensely here. I have the rest of the finishing order. How about Ryan Sieg with the second place? Gregson still finishes third. Brandon Jones fourth. Daniel Hemrick fifth. Ross Chastain, we just mentioned he had a ton of damage. He comes home in the sixth spot. Josh Williams had a great day, seventh. Garrett Smith, the eighth. Brandon Brown, ninth. And Alex Abay finished it out the top ten there. Some guys, and this this happens at these kind of tracks where these guys are in underfunded cars and they have great days, and that really propels them for the rest well, of the year. Well, that's how Talladega works. Anybody can win. You just get in, get in line with the right uh, – right group and uh and as it shuffles out you can actually uh get a good finish or even a win it can happen that way and uh, hey wisconsin it's josh balicki he got 18th so you know he was uh trucking right along there too yeah always good to see him up there he had a good run at road america we saw him leading for a little bit there so good for him to finish inside the top 20 with that with that car there Mm -hmm. so let's get into the points a little bit so uh, Chase Briscoe and Justin Haley are your leaders since they advance with the wins in this uh, section of the playoffs. Austin Sendrick sits third, Noah Gregson fourth, Brandon Jones fifth, Ryan Sieg sixth, Justin Allgaier seventh, Ross Chastain eighth. They would advance if it ended today. Sitting outside is Harrison Burton, Brandon Brown, Riley Herbst, and Michael Annette. And Riley Herbst and Michael Annette are really in a must-win situation. Um, Brandon Brown, you might throw him in there as well. Harrison Burton is only seven back, so he could find his way in yet. Yeah. So, and it's off to the roll. Off to Charlotte next week and uh, 
see how that works for a road course for these guys. <laughs> that ought to be interesting. Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, you're going to see a bunch of different strategies. I almost see it playing out like Talladega with the strategy and all that, but without the closeness of the racing for that long. Yeah, but uh, I think the ones that finished on the top at Road America, you're probably going to see them run at the top at the at the Roval Tools. That's my prediction. Yeah, I could see that happening as well. Um, we'll see what happens. There's some things I want to point out after we get done with the Cup Series here, but uh, we'll go on here. All right. So then the third and final race of the weekend, the Cup Series, of course. Uh, first lap here going into turn three, Christopher Bell spins after a tire goes down. Tyler Reddick has nowhere to go. He gets into him. Reddick was able to continue with the damaged car, but Bell was out. Man, just uh, don't even make one lap, you know, went in and it looked like uh, ended up both back tires ended up blown out of her. And so then, uh, yeah, he got one lap and that's all Christopher Bell got. Um, that could have been a lot worse than what it was. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, I did see on social media that maybe the 47 had gotten into Bell to start that tire going down. So um, that's what the owner of the 95 was saying. So we'll see. I have to see more replays and see if there is something that comes out of that. But it might have started with Ricky Stenhouse. They didn't really show a whole lot of that. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, they run so close and all it takes is just a little contact and you can cut a tire down and and uh, as close as they run, it's probably amazing it don't happen more often. I agree completely there. So a few others may have had damage from that first lap incident. Coming back to start lap nine, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. gets turned and hits the inside wall. Nemechek was pushing to the left rear and that's what turned Ricky and, you know, that's where it can get iffy. When you get on that left rear, it really, really messes with the car. And Stenhouse wasn't able to hold on to it. A lot of guys have that same issue. And then the funny part of it is Dale Jr. reminded Jeff Burton that he did that to him one time in three and four. Jeff said he didn't hold it against Dale, but he also didn't forget. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, boy, Ricky Stenhouse, he slid a long way and thought maybe he could drive out of it. And it just the car just didn't get at the right angle, and and he backed her into the wall. Now that that definitely ended his day. That was a hard hit there on the inside wall. Yes, it was, and that was a driver that you thought maybe could pull the upset. Very good at Super Speedway racing, and he goes out early. He's been having a lot of bad luck, you know. Ricky Stenhouse is probably the ones that's had the worst luck uh, so far. He usually runs Talladega really good, you know? So, yeah, his day ended on lap eight, so that was the end of him for the day. And I would say that whole team has had bad luck. If you think about Ricky Stenhouse Jr., look at Ryan Priest. My gosh, that guy can't catch a break either. Yeah. And then, you know, then all of a sudden they tried to get going, and then the 32 ended up stalled on the track. And just like, here it is, lap 15, and – I think I text you and it says, you know, this this is reminding me of nap time. You know, it, it just just couldn't seem to get this race get going. You know, there was so many cautions. So we broke a record today for cautions. So that just added to the to the uh, record today. <laughs> Hard to get this race going this to this afternoon. Yeah, so that was the third caution on lap thirteen there, 
Um, another thing to note while this is going on, and you and I both noticed this, Denny Hamlin's roof lap was popping up. And that was really the only car that I saw that happen to. Maybe Chase Elliott I saw at one point too, but I don't know if it played a role that Hamlin was leading and more air was getting packed under that, but it was definitely noticed on Denny Hamlin's car. You know, and I, it's, it's funny they don't inspect them just a little bit more. But, yeah, once when somebody would come up behind be, behind uh, Hamlin there, all of a sudden that, that uh, roof flap would come up in the air and, and I don't know if that'd be an advantage, or you you would probably think it would be because it would take air off the spoiler off the back end. So I wonder if they're playing games with those flaps, and uh, we'll see if anything comes out of that. Um, I was surprised that there wasn't a comment about it. Yeah, and you know what you just said is exactly what I thought. I thought it would definitely play a role because it's moving the air off the spoiler. And, you know, then you have less drag on it. And the other thing I thought of is remember when they were messing with that back window where the, they would make them soft enough where it would break. So the window would bend in and move like that too. Same thing. I thought maybe they're starting to do it with the roof flaps and it's not the first time that we've, I've seen this, but you would think that maybe they would start watching it closer. Maybe it's just normal for the leader to have that happen. And it doesn't show on a lot of other cars. I don't know, but, We'll see if anything comes of it. There was a lot of flaps that were flapping around today, you know, hood flaps and, you know, and even, uh, but, but then the how's that? The Benedetto is his, his one was just flailing in the air. It was just whipping in the air. And so that was kind of a, a different kind of thing. The, the, the flaps were really moving around today. Yeah, they were. I noticed that too. And, you know, the front flaps make more sense to me because when you get close to someone, that air is going underneath the car. It's going to open those flaps up. But um, mm-hmm. yep, absolutely. you never know if someone's tweaking with something. How do you know? You have to really dive through them with a fine tooth comb. I'm not smart enough to, to get into that or I'm not the one doing it. So, um, yeah, I'm sure NASCAR looks at that though. That's a safety deal. So I'm sure they really look into those. Yeah. And the other thing was there was a car, speaking of flaps, there was a car that had a flap open flapping in the air and maybe it was in the Xfinity series, one of them. And they said, Nope, that's okay. That it does that. It's they can't tape it down. If it gets damaged, you could have it. You cannot tape it down. Yep, yep, that's the safety deal of it. Well, there was uh, more aggressive racing up front between Denny and Joey on lap 19. You know, before the competition caution, that thing got really aggressive today. Yeah, they were saying, there, and this is for no points, and they were running that hard already. That was just, that just kind of set the table of the kind of day we were going to have. You know, and that's not the first time we saw this either, right? I remember for some reason it always seems like really start off really aggressive and something happens early that makes it calm down. It seems like the first stage is especially aggressive. Then the second stage kind of calms down until the end of the stage. And then the last stage is really aggressive. But it's strange how that works up. Maybe the guys are just so ready to go that they're aggressive, settle in. I don't know, but I would like to ask a NASCAR driver about that because it seems like, especially as of late, it just seems like early on in stage one, ready to go, and then stage two, they kind of settle in, and then stage three, they're ready. Have you noticed that a lot lately, Mark? 
Yeah, yeah, it seems like it goes that way. Uh, Jeff Burton, he made the comment, says, hey, them guys are out there just having fun. You know, <laughs> wow, that's kind of crazy kind of fun at 200 miles an hour and diving this way and going this way. And But, man, they make it work. But, uh, you know, there's some close calls that are going on there. Sometimes there's a little luck involved with that stuff. But, uh, yeah, he says they're just having fun. Like, wow, that's kind of crazy kind of fun, man. <laughs> I got to chuckle about that, yeah, because I'm thinking the same thing here. <laughs> Being an inch off of someone white-knuckle racing is fun, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're having fun doing that, so wow, crazy. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so Denny Hamlin was your leader early. He bails on lap 32. It was 29 to left to go on the stage. And he really stayed in the back for the majority of the race until the end. Harvick also bails the next lap. Then there's a wreck with three to go on the stage. Alex Bowman was pushing Almirola. And I don't know if Bowman gave a shove to Almirola that shoved him more inside. And then the 88 got to his outside. Error was a major factor, I think, in this. And Almirola just turned wow. right and it was on from there. Well, Logano, Logano was really putting the, putting the leather to him. And, you know, that I, I kind of come back with that Camaro front end. It still ain't got – it still does, it's got that little point on the front of it. And, uh, you know, that the, the Mustang has that um, indentation where the license plate is, and it just kind of makes you wonder if he made contact or he was on the right side. I know Elmarola was – he wasn't very happy at all until finally they – uh, interviewed him and he finally calmed down. He just thought that uh, he thought Bowman just ran him, ran him right over. But uh, you know, the 22 was really, really aggressive today, like he always does at uh, restrictor play racing. He was. You could tell that the 88 was definitely getting a good shove from the 22 that kind of started that. But Bush, uh, Kyle Bush, and Ryan Blaney were also involved in that. Did you see the nice camera shot from Martin Truex's car where he got into the back of Chase Elliott slightly and Chase barely got through as everyone was scrambling? It was it was the 20 of Eric Jones who Chase almost got together with because uh, Eric Jones moved down a little bit and Chase had to move down a little bit. You have to be so on it and so aware of what's going on. that It's amazing. And he zinged right through there. Yeah, it was crazy. But what are you going to do? You know, you're going at high speed, and you, and you try to get through there, and sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. So, you know, the, the window's there, and they make it work. So Well, and it was like Chase had turned down slightly to make sure he missed it, and all of a sudden Eric Jones came down, and it's almost like how was Chase able to see that with how you're packed in the car? How did he know to move? just enough where him and Eric could make it through. Cause that's what the angle showed. And it was just like, you have to be quick on your feet and with your hands. It, I was just like, Holy cow. Well, that's, that's makes them a professional. You know, they, that's their, that's their daytime job. They're good at yeah, that. Clearly that, uh, that was just amazing to me. It was a great angle. I'm so glad they had that. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Chris Busher wins stage one under caution. Then there's another caution early in stage two. Kyle Bush has a tire blowout and it ripped the fender off. Long day for Mr. Kyle Bush. Yeah, it even looked like the tire was towed just a little bit. And uh hmm, you know, yeah, Kyle Bush had a hell of a day and and <laughs> I had to laugh to see what was left of it at the end of the day. My God, what a heap. 
And, uh, <laughs> and it just, you know, 2020 for Kyle Busch, it works again. That car will not be used again. <laughs> you could put that one in a museum. You know, there was nothing straight on that car. That car was absolutely destroyed. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, there was a caution on lap 28 of the stage for debris. Uh, the Chevys had just come to pit road under green, so they kind of lucked out with, with that there. Yeah, yeah, they were worked They worked together there, and then the caution came out, and uh, debris, and <laughs> all these cars are all taped up, and the tape was flying and everything. They did a good job on the 88, though, on Alex Bowman's car. I mean, that thing, what did they say? They did like 10, 11, 12 uh, pit stops in a row, and they just kept throwing the tape on it because you can't you can't put no parts back on them anymore. So you just gotta just whip the tape on it. And I thought they did a really good job on Alex Bowman's car, especially the way that looked. They did, but I would say they also had a bunch of cautions to do that with. <laughs> yeah, but uh, is for for debris. It's it's amazing there ain't more debris with parts and pieces falling off them oh, cars. Yeah. There there was a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of shrapnel laying all over the place today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there sure was. Well, there was another big moment with 18 to go in the stage when Joey Logano pushes Cole Custer. Custer hold, hold, held on to it, but yikes, that was uh, that was close. Then, of course, there was a big wreck with 12 to go in the stage. Clint Boyer gets into the back of Jimmy multiple times in the trial while Jimmy was out of shape and a huge wreck happens. I mean, Jimmy Johnson, Boyer, Kurt Busch, who had the biggest impact of them all. The car got a lot of air there. Uh, Cole Custer, Brad Kozlowski got a piece of it. Ryan Priest, Daniel Suarez, Kyle Busch tried to avoid, but then Jimmy um, kind of came down and Kyle Busch came up and he gets into Brendan gone. Then uh, Austin Dillon got a piece of it. What's your opinion on what happened there? Because I just felt like Clint never gave an opportunity to Jimmy to gather back up and, there was space between between Clint and the car behind him to really let Jimmy do that, in my opinion. It was weird. Yeah, the, the, you know, uh, Clint started it and got him loose, but he was uh, – he said anytime I got close to him, he got really squirrely, and it, I don't think he was touching him on there. And it, I don't know if, if, if Jimmy never 100% got it under control. And then, yeah, and then you come across – when, when that one car, Kurt Busch, went across that track like that, that reminded me of that time when Dale Earnhardt hit that wall, like just exactly the same way, come from the lower lane, come all the way across. And, and yeah, once when you hit like that, more more times than not, the car is going to get, uh, get air. And, uh, wow, he flew over the top of the 41 car, and it landed back on his wheels, thankfully. Otherwise, that would have been a nasty roll if she would have kept going. Wow, but uh, pretty tore up. Yeah, I was uh, that he was okay, and he said, "Yep, I'm okay, I'm okay." And I was like, "Whew, man, that was a uh, that was a tough one there." But Jimmy Johnson, he was hot. He was yelling on the radio. He uh, he didn't appreciate Clint uh, pressuring him like that. Yeah, you know, it's you know, when Clint said in his interview after that, you have to. It was the point where he had to go. I disagree with that a little bit. There was still 12 to go on the stage. I don't think he could have got off him a little bit, let him get it under control, because I think he was pushing him. I think he did push him and get into him, but I don't know. It's still hard. How do you know at that moment you're going over 200 miles per hour? How do you know that you can breathe the throttle for 
you know, a quarter of a second, you know, just, just touch it and, and let the guy gather up. How do you know that at that point? It's, it's hard. That tri-oval, it's always the, the, that's where the car is the loosest. It's, you know, you don't have the banking like you do in the other corners. The tri-oval that just works on it. Just, you know, they're right on their edge and it don't take much contact uh, to get them uh, out of control there. So yeah, that was a vicious wreck, but uh um, yeah, they all walked away from it. Uh, good yeah, deal. safety has come a long way, and that were there was evidence of it right there. Um, it got aggressive at the end of the stage, obviously too. Matt Benedetto was getting a shove. Uh, he went up going to the apron and blend back in when they got to the corner. That was extremely close. Logano actually got a penalty for that because he forced him below the yellow line. Truex won stage two. Yeah, Logano just backed out and said, well, there ain't no points to, to gain here, so no use hanging around in the end while they're while they're trying to race back to the line. So he did the smart thing and just backed yep. out. Yeah, that was very smart. If you're not going to get any points, why risk it? Yeah, yeah. Well, then. Because it, uh, it, was, it was aggressive as it was. <laughs> there was a lot of times people were bailing today when they were just kind of like seeing things that were going on and they'd just bail out. So you've seen that quite often uh, today. There were, people were uncomfortable in the positions that they yep. were in. Early on. Yep. Well, and in the final stage here, Reddick and Bowman were making hay on the top at one point. Reddick was able to take the lead. That was very impressive to me with the damage that those two had and especially the damage on the nose part of it. Um, very, very impressive. Boy, Reddick, he shot from the upper upper groove into the middle groove, and, and both uh, Dale and uh, Burton both said, yeah, he probably got put there. He didn't, he didn't make that move. It, it was made for him. <laughs> And I'm just like, wow, that was a crazy move. And then uh, you, know, you think, well, you know, he's a rookie, but uh, he's a wow, Tyler Reddick. He's a wheel man. He can uh, he can handle a race car, no doubt. Well, then Brad was able to switch lanes. He was able to take the lead back. Three lines formed, and that allowed Bubba Wallace to take the lead. Then there was a caution with 40 go. Jimmy Johnson had some debris fall off his car. Shocking with how that car looked um they actually ended up having to go to the garage before this happened because they were under unable to fill the car with gas well there was nothing left in the rear end it was just flapping in the breeze <laughs> it was yeah, crazy yeah it was uh chase elliott came back down to top off and that gave him two more laps of fuel you'll see where that is a little bit of a factor Bubba ended up leading, but then the inside lane formed up with Penske drivers. Bubba stayed to the top and got a shove from Priest, but it made Bubba slap the wall. As Bubba was coming to pit road, because it was a good enough shot, the caution came out when James Davison had an issue. So Bubba still pit, but he was not out of the race, because if he pits under green, that's pretty much the end of it there. And a few others were able to pit under that caution as well. I actually thought the car held up rather well for as hard as that that 43 car hit that outside wall. I agree. Wall. I agree. 
So then a green-white checkered was going to happen. The Fords had the first two rows. It was looking really good for them. Logano and Brad were on the inside. Matt Benedetto and Kevin Harvick to the top. Brad and Joey got going, but they got disconnected. Joey ended up going to the top in front of Matt Benedetto. But then here comes the Hendrick Chevys on the top. Joey tries to block. Chase goes to the bottom. Joey tried to block again. Chase had tires on or just below the yellow line. And I was wondering what the call will be. A big wreck happens, and they call Joey for blocking. And I didn't see that. And I made a remark to you after the big wreck uh, that was <laughs> trying to come back before the white flag. And I just like, well, the accident just kind of like nobody thought about uh, what happened, uh, what happened with uh, Chase going down. But yeah, that was a good call that that uh, Joey got uh, nailed for that. So yeah, so that wreck came was coming back to the white flag. Reddick gave a shove to Kyle Busch, but Kyle lost it. And with the way that car, we just talked about it, the way that car was put together, there wasn't going to be much shoving or much pushing that he was going to be able to do. He loses it. He collects Joey in the process. Harvick, Newman, Truex, Matt Kenseth got a piece of that. Bowman got a piece. Reddick um, was involved in that after he gave that shove. So the ruling came down. Logano was penalized for forcing under the line. It won't. It wouldn't matter to him because he ended up having to be pushed back to the garage anyway. You know, it was impressive that Kyle Busch could actually stay in the draft, and he was actually holding his own with no no fender on the on the front left side. That was impressive that he could keep it going. But then after that grinder, <laughs> then it was over. After three wrecks, finally, it's done. Wave the white flag on that. Yeah, and you know, car. <laughs> Kyle is a magnet for people, right? And I thought he handled himself pretty well after the race, but you could tell that he is getting really sick of how his 2020 is going. It's not just the anger anymore. You can see that it's it's kind of turned into, I don't want to say sadness, but along those lines, I guess I would say. Like, get this crap over with. That's probably what he's thinking. Like, this is just, you know, things aren't just going well at all. And uh, probably losing a little confidence, you know. And, and you know, it's, he's probably in the back of his mind saying, well, what's going to go wrong today? And and it does. And, you know, sometimes maybe if you have an attitude like that, maybe uh, bad things will happen. So, um, yeah, it's been wearing on him. Um, but uh, you still can't count him out. You still can't. I was count literally him out. just about to say that it would not surprise me if he gets his first win of the season season at the Roval. It would not shock me one bit. Yeah. No, he's always uh, he's got the speed and and he can make it work. He's good road course racer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so some cars were going to be close on fuel. Chase Elliott and Matt Benedetto bring them back to the green for the first overtime here. A big wreck happens in turn four. Bubba Wallace spins and noses it hard into the outside wall. Priest and him made contact. Uh, he actually came down on Ryan Priest there. He was trying to fit it into a hole that wasn't quite there. That ended his day. Blaney gets contact. Matt Kenseth gets a piece. Brad Kozlowski. Austin Dillon, all those were involved. Most of them were able to continue, but um, Wallace and uh, Blaney were pretty hurt after that. 
Blaney just pummeled Wallace and that, that end of their day. You know, hey, Kenseth had a good run going all day. He was just biding his time and he was and he was there. He was around at the end and then a little contact here and there and that just kind of ruined his day. But he uh, he was holding his own all through the whole day. I thought, hey, maybe Matt might be able to pull this off. And uh, yeah, at the end. I was thinking that the whole time too, because there's a guy who is good everywhere, but he's had a lot of success on super speedways. Oh yeah. Yep. He's good there. So I was just sitting back like, Hey, nobody really talked about him at all. All of a sudden finally Jeff, Jeff Burton said, Hey, there's Matt Kenseth. Yeah. I've, I've noticed he's been there for a while, you know, and he was up like into the third row and, Thought he'd make a go of it, but yeah, that that little incident right there just was enough to to ruin that yep. day. Yep. Well, Chase Elliott and others had a pit under the caution for fuel, and that surprised me because I knew Chase did come back down under that to top off, but he, it just wasn't going to be enough. He wanted to play it safe, and to be honest with you, the amount of cars that didn't have damage it was probably worth the going to the back of the field to get that fuel to make sure you were safe. Well, he said he put it on reserve, which means you're you're going to be uh, pretty low on fuel. But uh, you know, Matt Benedetto, he stayed out, and um, and he kept it going. I was wondering if that flap that was missing in the hood, if that was actually affecting his car. Yeah, I, it's a good question. You think it would have some kind of effect, wouldn't you? With that, yeah, with, with that gaping hole that was on that side, I just wonder if that had something to do with the handling of that vehicle. But, I mean, he was there. I thought Matt was going to pull this baby off, too. You know, he was uh, he was stout all day. That 21 car yes, was Yes, it was. Up. Well, speaking of Matt Benedetto, him and Denny Hamlin bring them back. Remember, Hamlin was in the back for the entire race after that competition caution. He just had no accidents because he was in the back. He works his way up, and at that point, so many people had gone off, and you were going to be safe at the Roval. Why not try to go for it? And that's what he does. Chris Busher gave a great push to Matt DiBenedetto. Matt DiBenedetto had a block to 24. That pulled everyone back a little bit, checked him up. Then he had a block Jones. It was getting crazy. He blocked Byron. Hamlin also got pushed the apron. He continues down there for a little bit, which is where I think a lot of people had the issue. He came back onto the track. Hamlin wins the race. It was three wide coming to the checker. Matt Benedetto is so close to winning, but gets beat again. What a finish, though, man! That would put that one will put you on the edge of your seat. Like that was wild and crazy finish on that race, and uh, yeah. But then they started talking about, well, who went below the line and who forced who down, and and it, it you know just and boy, the fans booed after the decision was made. I think everybody wanted. Uh, Maddie D to win that race and uh, well, it didn't happen and then he ended up getting penalized and I don't think he deserved that either you know you run good all day and then you get penalized for something like that but yeah that's that was a ball and strike call and that's what it, uh, was the result yeah so initially one. they penalized Matt Benedetto and Chase Elliott for going below the line the Chase Elliott deal happened in the trial they didn't really show it at all so we didn't get to see that but uh, they actually overturned it later. The nine team put in a protest or an appeal. NASCAR looked at it. They end up charging 
Chris Busher with the penalty. So Busher gets the penalty. So it was Matt Benedetto. Chris Busher got the penalty. You know, speaking of it, when Hamlin went to the apron, in my opinion, and I have a still picture of when this happened, he was forced down there. But the 20 of Eric Jones and Chris Busher in the 17 kind of forced him down there. So they were pretty consistent all day long, which sometimes they do have an issue with because it is a little gray area, as you just said, Mark. Ball and strike is a good analogy for it. They didn't penalize Jones or Busher initially, um, but there has to be a call there, in my opinion. Busher ends up getting penalized for something else anyway, but that's where it gets a little gray. Well, they said uh, they said afterwards that Byron was actually um, trying to dodge dodge the uh, incident because of the sparks that were flying. Um, I text you right away and I said that Jones should have got the penalty instead of Boucher because uh, the twenty actually forced the seventeen down and that forced him down into the eleven. And I was texting you if they want to be fair, the twenty one and the seven. Uh, the 21 and the 20 should be penalized. And then they came back and they said the 21 and the nine and I go, the nine. But if you seen one angle that was coming uh, from a turn four camera, looking towards the start finish line, you actually see Busher and, and Elliot was on the inside of them, but that was all you saw of it. You never saw any more of that. And then they finally, they, they uh, nailed Busher for that. Um, but I thought Jones should have got the penalty and and uh, uh, for earlier uh, for that because uh, he he was the one who pushed Han- down into Hamlin and forced Hamlin down on the inside. But uh, ball and strike call and Matty D was <laughs> he looked like he had the same puppy eyes that he had at Bristol. Just like he want he wants to win the the hundredth uh, win for Wood Brothers and and uh, he's fighting for a job. You know, and uh, boy, and uh, well, we'll see. We'll see if he stays in that car. Uh, Win would have went a long way with him, boy. I'll tell you what, I think he'd be one happy dude if he can ever get that weight off his shoulders. No doubt about it. I feel gutted for Matt Benedetto. Um, the penalty comes down, so I guess that eases it a little bit for some fans, knowing that if he would have crossed the finish line first, he would have been penalized anyway. Um, but just a guy that could use a break, my wife walked into the room and she goes, can't that guy just catch a break? And I was <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah. He does deserve a break because you and I talked about it on the last podcast a few days ago, and it doesn't sound good for him returning to the Wood Brothers. I think Austin Sindrick will be taking that ride. And I... where does Matt the Benedetto land now? There's not a whole lot of great rides available, but – Something encouraging that I did see on social media after the race was Peak Anafreeze said something, and then Austin they came back and said, "You know what? We need this guy on our team, so maybe Peak Anafreeze can hook up with him, and he can get something going there. That would be cool." But he, you feel so gutted for him because he's fought and clawed so hard to get where he's at, and he's finished so close to winning, and it. Is right in front of him, and it just doesn't happen. Yep, and then he looked like he wanted to cry. <laughs> yeah, he just wants it so bad, and uh, and he didn't get it. So, 
Yeah, too bad for Matty D. So, but uh, hey, looking at the other the ending lineup, hey Ryan Newman, how do you like that? Got a sixth place. That was uh, rather impressive. He was quiet all day. And uh, hey, Ty Dillon, there's one for you. How about third place out of him? That was a good run from the 13. He always runs good at restricted. Well, and that's a guy too. who's searching for a ride as well because Jermaine is closing its doors, and Jermaine has had great success in NASCAR. They won a truck championship or a few with Todd Bodine. They get into NASCAR uh, Cup Series action with the 13 car. They've been doing that for a while. Had some good finishes. So he gets a third there. That's awesome for that team as they make their way out, out of NASCAR. And for him looking for a ride next year, maybe this propels him into something. Yep, yep, we'll see. Yep, he still wants to race. They were talking that he was going to go uh, to the administrative side, but apparently he still wants to race. So um, he thanked Geico, but yeah, Geico's getting out, and that's going to that's what's going to end up hurting that team uh, to, to yep. not keep. Yeah, going. when you leave, lose funding like that, it's. Uh... It's too hard to, to keep going. How about Austin Dillon? He somehow finishes 12th with that car. Unbelievable. They changed an oil oil um, cooler, and they lost two laps and come back out and ended up getting back on a lead lap and finished as 12th. And they did an interview afterwards, and they showed the front end of that car. What a mess. <laughs> that car was trash. He said it's it's done, but still came back and got a twelfth place. And hey, he's tied. Uh, he's tied with Kyle Busch, twenty one points out. Um, you know, somebody falters in the top. You know, in the top part, he can. He's still got a chance to get in. You know, that team uh, fought all day to to uh, to uh, get that twelfth place. That's a well deserved twelfth place. Absolutely, so yeah. When more. I heard they replaced an oil cooler and only lost two laps, I was in awe. Um, but man, uh, to come back with that car and finish 12th, that was pretty cool. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen at Roval. We just mentioned it. Um, that could be, that could be anyone's race. You know, I saw someone on social media and this is a joke. I'm just going to preface this with that, but they said, why don't they say Austin Dillon is, um, hurt or not hurt, but, uh, under the weather or something like that, have him start the race and then put AJ Elmendinger in that car. And maybe AJ goes and wins the race and, Austin Dillon can advance in the playoffs. Huh. That's yeah. a that's a kind of a crude joke, but uh hey, you wanna hear you wanna hear another good joke? They're talking rain for the roval uh, next weekend. So throw that out there. Um that that ought to be crazy if they end up with rain and and, and these guys gotta fight tooth and nail on a cutoff race in the rain. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. That Stand would be, by. that would pretty be pretty wild. And yeah, you know, I, I hope that doesn't happen with Austin Dillon and all that, but it was, I kind of chuckled when I saw it. I was like, well, that's not going to happen, but um, you know, that would oh, be a really funky way to, you know, get bending the gray area of the NASCAR rule book. But no, that's, that was just, I was like, wow, you know, so, Sometimes on social media, it's like, whoo, <laughs> you, you were thinking outside of the box. Someone was thinking. I, I think NASCAR would put a nip in that one. I don't think they'd go for that. Um, hmm. uh, I don't think so. I think there might be a rule on that, that 
in the championship round where somebody can't come in from another series. I know it's from the upper going to the lower ones, but I, I've never heard of somebody from the lower ranks that can come up to the upper ranks. So um, I'm sure there, there'd be a way that uh, NASCAR would uh, Well, it would have sure to that be proven that someone is hurt or under the weather. So it would have to be proven. You could do that if the case did arise to it, but it would have to be proven. So hopefully it doesn't happen. It was just interesting to see someone thinking outside of the box. I was like, wow, someone actually thought about that. You know, it was. Well, what would happen if COVID kicked in right now? What would what would happen if something like that? I mean, if COVID actually took off one of the top drivers up there, that could actually ruin yeah. their whole season right now. Hopefully. You know, well. You know, hold hold your breath, and hopefully, don't have that happen. You know, football all of a sudden is starting to uh, starting to feel it. You know, so NASCAR and has been uh, very lucky, very fortunate that they haven't had much. Um, yeah, I that, hope so uh, too. Keeps hopefully, going. It, yeah, that would be man, that would be so unfortunate. And it's already affected Jimmy Johnson's season. We've talked about it many of times. Where if he doesn't miss that race, he makes the playoffs. So, um, yeah, you just hope yeah. something. Doesn't. Yep, that's on the that's on the back I'll burner. Denny Hamlin for you know? a second. Let's go back to him. So he ties his idol Bill Elliott with forty four wins. Um, that's pretty special to do to tie your idol. You know, the thing that caught me off guard with that though is he has a rivalry with Chase Elliott, Bill Elliott's son. So it's kind of interesting to hear that Bill Elliott was his idol, and that's the main reason why he races eleven. But then has a rivalry with Bill's son. That was it was kind of weird putting it all together. Yeah, and that FedEx car didn't look like it had a scratch on it. I mean, that car was just as nice and shiny as it started. And then you look at all the other, all the other taped up, wrecked up, all mangled cars that were everywhere. There wasn't too many cars that weren't uh, that uh, weren't straight today no, after this yeah, race. Yeah. Um, so they did talk to NASCAR's Scott Miller. And Scott said if they got rid of the yellow line rule, it would be an absolute mess. Uh, I tend to disagree. I would like to get rid of that. But thinking about it a little further, you know, you had, would have guys going down to the grass and how do you get back onto the track before the corner? I guess I could see that. But I think there needs to be – I think it needs to be looked at and seen what can we do different about it. The last lap, but don't count. Next first one back to the line wins, and uh, and it's on. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna go into the corner and run into the flat to get by somebody. You're not gonna do that unless if you're avoiding. Um, I say when the white flag happens, it's game on. First one back to the line wins, and if if you gotta um, if you gotta use the apron, well, so be it. But uh, if <laughs> You're uh, you're playing with fire if you're going to go down on the. Yeah, anchor. I don't know. I I don't know what you do there. I have to think about it a little further, and and hear some ideas on it. But he said that they wouldn't. They don't even have plans on discussing it. And I think you should at least discuss everything. Be open to discussing anything. Uh, see what we can do. Well, once when Junior says something, people listen, and Junior brought it up. And then on the post-race, uh, Dale Jarrett, it was the first thing that he said. He says, you know what? He said that, that puts NASCAR in a, in a situation to make a ball and, 
and ball and strike count. That's why the Benedetto did not deserve, you know, just because of that, he didn't deserve to get knocked all the way down to 21st place. And that's just unfortunate. Um, yeah, they got to come up with some kind of a, an idea um, that, uh, that they can try to make that work. That, that's kind of sad to get, get that taken away on the last lap. So, yep. I, uh, I, I texted you and I said, Dale Earnhardt Jr. for president. I, as soon as he said that, I'm like, hell yeah, get rid of that. Get rid of that. Yeah, rule. in fact, you and I were <laughs> texting, and I had said that literally about two minutes before he said it. Get rid of it. But there needs to be something. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer, as I just said, but something needs to be looked at there. It needs to be, it needs to be different. But going back to it a little bit, they did enforce the rule consistently all day besides the whole Eric Jones, Busher, Hamlin situation. I think there needs to be a penalty to either Eric Jones or Chris Busher in that uh, incident. But all in all, it was a well-officiated day, in my opinion, based on the rules. You can have a problem with the rule, but the way the rules were enforced, I thought were pretty good today. Yeah, they were pretty consistent. And what a long day, man! That was a long race today, a long, grueling race. They said, they said like they started it. They started it on October fourth, and it ended on Thanksgiving, <laughs> and it kind of felt that way. It was a long race today, but uh, uh, entertaining. Holy smokes! The end, the finish was really, really good. So yeah, if, uh, you'd be on the edge of your seat to watch it and the oh, yeah. race oh, yeah. like that. Well, um, speaking of the carnage that we saw today. Brad Kozlowski got interviewed and he said, well, Tony Stewart would be proud. And that made me laugh because he was referencing the comment made by Tony Stewart a few years ago about, well, we didn't wreck enough cars today. Maybe we should run them half one way, half the other way, or maybe do a figure eight type style. So he was making a, a reference to that and made me chuckle. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, the owners just got to love paying big dollars for all that wrecked equipment. You know, there's, there's so much time and effort that builds those cars and tweaks them. And then you see guys down there with hammers and, and sawzalls and, and <laughs> trying to put these things back together. And then there's a lot of vehicles and a lot of money got wasted today. And it's, it's always that way. I'm glad they don't do that racing every week. Um, I mean, it's, it's exciting. Um, but um I'm glad they only do it as I much as they agree. do. Uh, hey, speaking of what you just mentioned, how about the ratchet straps coming out on pit road to try to set the front suspension back on Martin Truex team? <laughs> yeah, wasn't that something? Yeah, that was a new one where they went in there with that orange strap. Yeah, that was strapped that down. I don't know. I don't know if it worked. He finished 23rd, so two laps down. So I don't know if that yeah, worked or not. Yeah. But interesting. Somebody's well, you remember the the that there. was the same team that back a few years ago brought out that huge saw and started working on the car too. So they are a very, oh. in, you know, innovative team that thinks about everything. They, even the commentator said, well, that's the first that we've seen that. And that was the same thing they said about that saw a few years ago. Well, that saw would take an arm off. I mean, my God, that was that was overkill. I mean, you could you could really hurt somebody with a saw like that. That was crazy. 
you know, to get, get back to a regular sawzall, that's bad enough. But a circular saw like that, oh my God. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah so remember that it's that well. same team that uh, pulls out these weird thinking things that um, are forward thinking, I guess you'd say. But hey, let's go back to Denny Hamlin once more here. Thoughts go out to Joe Gibbs' executive, J.J. D'Amato's family and friends. J.J. Uh, unexpectedly passed away this weekend. So it was really cool to see um, a car from the Joe Gibbs family in Victory Lane. Um, he was in, involved with Joe Gibbs Racing for a while, an executive there, and unfortunately he passed away. So cool that they got that, those decals on the car in Victory Lane. Yeah, there was a moment of silence to, to start the show too. So, yep, that uh, works out. So they can donate that uh, yep, victory yep, to the absolutely. family there. All right, so let's get into points here and then some more race stats to end it here. Uh, so Denny Hamlin and Kurt Busch are your point leaders right now due to advancing with the wins in this section of the playoffs. Harvick sits third. He is plus 68. He's going to be safe from next week, I'm sure. Chase Elliott sits fourth now because this penalty got rescinded. Remember, he's plus 44. Keselowski is fifth, plus 41. Truex, sixth, plus 32. Bowman, seventh, plus 22. Logano, plus 21, sits eighth. The driver sitting outside looking in, if it were to end today, Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon are both minus 21. Clint Boyer, minus 37, and Eric Almirola, minus 48. It's going to be tough to see those drivers advance unless they get a win. They got to win. Them bottom four, they got to win. Um, they're too far out um, so to make it happen. So, yep. So, to the roll we go. That'll be really interesting. Um I'll be watching that when I get yeah, home from Oktoberfest. Especially if weather plays a factor there. Oof, that's going to that's gonna add to it. Um, so Stuart Friesen and uh, the Roarball number nine team failed pre-race inspection in the trucks to two uh, vent holes in the bed of the truck. They had to go to the rear of the field to start that race, and their crew chiefs were ejected. They were also docked 20 driver and owner points. Michael Annette in the Xfinity Series failed post-race inspection. We mentioned that one already for left front ride heights. He was scored 37th. Um, Brennan Poole and Timmy Hill failed pre-race inspection multiple times before today's race and had a start in the rear. Cody Ware also started in the back due to his driver change. There were no other issues. The truck race had five cautions for 24 laps. 14 lead changes among 10 drivers. The time of the race was one hour, 55 minutes, 55 seconds. Xfinity had seven cautions for 25 laps, 13 lead changes among nine drivers. Time of the race was two hours, eight minutes, 24 seconds. The Cup Series race had 13 cautions for 54 laps, 58 lead changes among 18 drivers. Time of the race was four hours, Five minutes, 58 seconds. Yeah, marathon. Two red flags on that one. So, yeah, but uh, it was well worth it. It was uh, worth the wait. Overall, so, a pretty good, good weekend of racing. Glad everyone walked away okay with the safety inventions that have been in place for a while now. 
uh, wild weekend, one we'll remember for a while here. Mark, thanks for joining again. Um, we'll do this again. We're, we'll be at Oktoberfest this weekend. Halloween a few weekends prior we'll sprinkle in some NASCAR podcasts in between there and we got some fun coming up here absolutely racing still going on so yep we'll see everybody out at Oktoberfest come absolutely. on out and support and remember, that place you can follow us at Double L Sports Network on Facebook and Twitter. That is LL Space Sports Space Network on Facebook. Twitter, no spaces, just LL Sports Network. Look for our content on there. Mark, thanks again. We'll see you here in a few days. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon.